We're in John chapter number 6, continuing our study out of the Gospel of John. that will lead us up to Good Friday and the Easter season. John chapter 6 for our text today. Over the years as we've been here in church and as I've been in church, I've been observing people who come to church. And I always wonder why they come. What made them decide to attend? There are lots of reasons that people come to church. Some of the reasons are wrong reasons. I remember the first Sunday after the 9-11 attack on the Twin Towers. People were terrified and there was people who came to church that had never been before. They came for one week. Next week, they got over it and stayed home. Remember, one lady came and asked if I would do her wedding. Two months later, I did her wedding. I never saw her again after that. (laughs) Another lady I knew came to church, she said, looking for a husband. Well, she was kind of a nasty lady. As I recall... Someone said something to her in a parking lot she didn't like, and she punched him. (laughs) She left church because she couldn't find a husband, and all the bachelors dodged that bullet. (laughs) I remember one lady came for a couple of weeks, and she brought some cookies on a plate, and she never came back, and somebody said she didn't get her plate back probably still in the cupboard back there. <clears throat> One fella came on the day that I announced the garden contest and he never came back because he said it was wrong for Christians to compete against each other. I figure he probably wasn't a very good gardener is what I thought. <laughs> One fella came and after the service, he said, boy, I really enjoyed that service. I said, well, good. I'm happy to have you. He went out in the parking lot and blew his stack. Somebody parked too close to his car. And he never came back. I remember one fella came to the church. And after the service, a lady came up to him and said, I used to know that fella a few years ago. And he stalks women. I didn't think much about it. Didn't really think, pay any attention. But the next fellow that came to church, he said, I met a lady, would you do our wedding? And I said, how long have you known her? He said, well, this is the second week. (laughs) I said, maybe you should wait just a little longer. Two weeks is not a very long time. I never saw him again either. There are good reasons to come to church, lots of good reasons. Of course, there are wrong reasons. And what we hope is that people who come for the wrong reason will suddenly discover a better reason and change their minds. But that doesn't always happen. It was no different in Jesus' time. People came to see Jesus for the wrong reasons. And after a while, they faded away. Now we've been studying the book of John, and I hope you notice through our studies that it's a very strange story. 
John tells us that God came down to earth, took a human form, and John said, I knew him personally. He was very pleasant and kind, gracious. He was downright charming. You couldn't help but be attracted to him. And John told us about Jesus' people skills. He could talk to anybody. A rich ruler who was a Pharisee or a poor Samaritan woman by a well. He was full of compassion, especially for poor, sick folks. He healed a man who'd been crippled for 38 years. And then in a strange twist in the Gospel of John, we're told that the Jewish rulers and the big shots in Jerusalem didn't like Jesus, that they wanted to kill him. In spite of all of his wonderful, pleasant, compassionate kindness, they wanted to kill him. Now, we all have people we don't like, don't think too much of, but very seldom do we want to kill them, do we? They wanted to kill him. Why? He claimed to be Messiah. And they said he's from Galilee. He's uneducated. And most of all, he's not an insider. He's an outsider. He's not one of us. So they kind of hoped he'd just go away. But instead, he became more and more popular with the people. Now, in John chapter 6, we see his popularity reaches a feverish pitch. Back in Galilee, away from Jerusalem, the crowds grow and grow larger and larger, primarily because he heals all the sick people that they bring to him. Any disease, people born blind, People with paralyzed limbs, deaf people, bad backs. And he's not like a doctor who cuts and tries to fix things. His are outright cures. He is actually recreating when he heals. He's creating new eyes. He's creating new bones. He's creating new eardrums. After all, John told us right in chapter 1 that he created everything that there is and there is nothing created without him. And so people come, hundreds and then thousands. And Jesus would heal everybody and then he would preach to the crowd after he finished healing everybody. And he was fascinating to listen to. The rabbis who did most of the preaching in those days, were famous for something. They were famous for being boring. But Jesus is riveting and exciting. He could captivate his listeners. Now let me ask you, wouldn't you like to go to one of those services? Can you imagine? Just stand there and watch him heal people. And listen to him talk. Just to watch him in action. Wouldn't that be fascinating? 
So it was people came, huge crowds, until the 12 disciples became crowd control. People would push and shove, closing in around Jesus. He said he was preaching by the Sea of Galilee. They almost pushed him into the lake. So the disciples tried to hold back the crowd and organize them into lines and control the chaos. It was pretty stressful work. So Jesus said, let's get in a boat. Let's go across the lake and find some nice, quiet, peaceful place. Take a break and rest. So they got in a boat. They set off across the lake. But anybody with a boat got in their boats and followed. And when they saw him leaving in a boat, People without a boat started running up the shoreline following Jesus across the Sea of Galilee. Now the Sea of Galilee is not a huge thing. In some places it's only a mile wide. So they could see his boat from shore. So picture it if you will. The crowd running along the shore, boats following Jesus. Not hundreds, but thousands of people. Jesus and the disciples land on this grassy knoll and they climb up the hill and they look back. There's hordes of people. But Jesus asks a question. John chapter 6 now. I'm reading at verse number 5. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? Jesus says, look at, look at, look at these people. Thousands of them. How are we going to feed this crowd? <laughs> and they say, feed them? We got to feed them? Verse 7. And Philip answered, 200 penny worth of bread's not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. A penny's worth of bread is what you would eat in a whole day three meals. And so 200 pennies worth is 600 meals. There's 5,000 men coming, plus women and children. Point is, it can't be done. Andrew makes sort of a little sarcastic comment. Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes. What are they among so many? One boy out of thousands of people brought a lunch. There's five little dinner rolls, what they are. They're not loaves of bread, they're just dinner rolls. And a couple of dried fish. And that's all we got. We can't feed these people. Jesus said, okay, it's time for you to control the crowd. Verse 10. Jesus said, make the men sit down. There was much grass in that place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. Likewise of the fishes as much as they would. 
When they were filled, he said to the disciples, gathered up the fragments that remained and nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet, which should come into the world. Now Jesus broke one of the basic laws of physics. One of the main laws of physics, we say, is matter cannot be created or destroyed. Jesus did it right there in his hands. Creating matter in the form of bread and fish. Thousands of pieces. Thousands of pieces. Until finally he knew he broke the last piece that they would need. And the disciples in their panic said, we need more. So he kept going. He made 12 more baskets full of leftovers. Well, that crowd got pretty excited. Verse 15, when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into the mountain himself alone. When Jesus healed people, it was wonderful. But now he's fed people. It's a free lunch. If he's our king, he could feed us every day. <laughs> what if he doesn't want to be king? Doesn't matter. We'll force him. Surround him right now. We'll give him no choice. We'll force him to be our king. And Jesus, as he often did, quietly slipped away through the crowd, disappeared, and climbed up a mountain and was gone. When the evening came, disciples got into their boat, said, well, it's time to go home, back across the lake. Without Jesus, <coughs> Jesus has disappeared. So the people who wanted to make him king, they can't find him. So if they had a boat, they're back in their boats going home. Most of them are walking along the shore back home. After the crowds are gone... Jesus walks across the lake. Yes, that's on top of the water. Verse 19. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea, drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. And they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at land, whither they went. So the next day, these people who couldn't find Jesus the day before, suddenly see there's Jesus in Capernaum. And they ask him the question, how'd you get here anyway? How'd you get here? Verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, whence camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Jesus says, the real reason you're looking for me now is because you want more bread. That's why you're searching for me, so you can have another meal. And that's the wrong reason. So Jesus is going to try to correct their thinking. 
Verse 27, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth into everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him God the Father has sealed. You're using all your energy looking for bread. You can eat it up and it'll be gone. You can leave it and it'll turn moldy. Well, they said, well, Moses in the old days fed us with bread from heaven. Can you do that, Jesus? Of course, they're speaking of manna, which they collected every day off the ground in Moses' time and eat it. But Jesus is going to try to explain to them what he means. Verse 35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. What wonderful things Jesus had to say. Come to me and never hunger again. Come to me and never thirst again. And when you do come to me, I will never turn you away. I am the bread of life come down from heaven. But they still didn't understand what he was saying. Verse 42. They said unto him, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I came down from heaven? They've searched out Jesus because they want more bread. And Jesus said, I am bread. And he tries to take their low expectations, which is we want a free lunch, and change them to higher expectations, spiritual things. As he tries to explain again, verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your father did eat the man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give him is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. They can't grasp what he's trying to tell them. So they ask, can we eat his flesh? All they want from Jesus is a free lunch. So to try and awake in them some spiritual feelings, Jesus says something that's pretty shocking. It's shocking even when you read it right now. Verse 53, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. That is a shocking thing to say, is it not? Obviously, Jesus is trying to get them to grasp a spiritual concept. He's not talking about cannibalism. Eating human flesh and drinking human blood. Obviously he has another meaning 
in his mind, but they just can't grasp it. Verse 60. Many therefore his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? We don't get it. What are you just talking about? How do they react? Verse 66, and for that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They abandoned him. They came for the wrong reason and couldn't comprehend what Jesus said, so they left. They just left. Well, my friends, it was a shocking thing to say. And still, to this day, 2,000 years later, there are people who think when they eat a communion cracker, it turns into the flesh of Jesus. And when they drink communion cup, it turns into the blood of Jesus. They're still confused after 2,000 years. So let's see if we can straighten this out and figure out what Jesus was trying to say. So in order to get a good starting place, we go back to something that Jesus said in his explanation to help us grasp where he's coming from. Verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, him I will raise up in the last day. God draws people to himself. How? How does he do that? He stirs up something inside of us. Something inside of you. Something that just doesn't feel right. And you know it doesn't feel right. In some people, he stirs up a feeling of emptiness. In some people, feelings of frustration. In some, feelings of loneliness. In some, restlessness. In some, despair. And when those feelings come that just don't feel right, people do go searching for an answer. Some people look in the bottom of a bottle. Some people try to buy their way into happiness. Some people go ask the doctor for a pill to make it go away. But God has the answer to frustration, despair, and loneliness, and emptiness. And so when you're feeling that way, He whispers in your ear, Go to Jesus. Just go to Jesus. Well, my friends, Jesus in these verses has promise to never turn you away. So when those dark feelings of loneliness and emptiness come, remember it's God whispering in the ear, I can help go to Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Now what do you do with regular old bread? You take it inside of you, you eat it, it becomes a part of you. 
Do the same with Jesus. Take him inside of you. Make him a part of your life. Accept him into your heart. Tell him, I want you to come into my life. I want you close to me. As that old wonderful song says, I want you to walk with me and talk with me. Tell me I am your own. Jesus said, if you take me in, like eating a piece of bread, take me in, I'll make it so you never hunger or thirst again. You will have a companion in your loneliness. You will find peace in your restlessness. You will find hope in your despair. You'll find fullness where you used to feel empty. And you'll find answers for your frustration. But you can't stand an arm's length away and say, give me something for my loneliness. You've got to take him in. He himself is the answer. You can't stay away and say, take away my despair. You've got to get close. Take Jesus in. Those people who came to see Jesus for the wrong reason, they wanted a free lunch. Turn on your TV, you'll still people see people everywhere. Wanting a free lunch. Jesus, make me prosperous. I want money. I want health. I want to feel good, Jesus. You don't go to Jesus for what gifts he can give. He has better things than that to offer. Jesus told these people, all you want is another free lunch. I got so much more to offer. I offer you myself. Take me in. I'm the bread of life. Consume me until I'm inside of you. Let me in and I'll satisfy your deepest desires. But they couldn't grasp it. And so they turned and walked away. And then what I think is one of the saddest things that Jesus ever said. Verse 67. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you go away also? It's a sad thing. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? And he spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he that should betray him, being one of the twelve. It makes Jesus sad when people come to him for the wrong reasons because he knows eventually they will abandon him. And he sadly refers to Judas Iscariot who believed that Jesus was the Messiah but followed Jesus so he could someday be a leader in Messiah's kingdom. And when Judas saw that Jesus wasn't going to set up an earthly kingdom, he betrayed Jesus for what? Money. 30 pieces of silver. He wanted money 
more than he wanted Jesus. My friends, I invite you, I urge you, God is drawing you towards himself. He's calling you. Let him in. Walk with him and talk with him. Let him in. Do you remember how that song ends? He walks with me and he talks with me, tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. So let him in. Consume him until he's right inside of you. And experience that joy that nobody else can ever feel. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the wisdom of Jesus that offers us something better than we thought we could have. Invites us to partake and say, I am the bread of life. Please eat and never hunger and thirst again. Lord, that's what we want. That's what we want. That's what we long for. We want that wonderful feeling that whatever it is that's inside of us, we've got the answer for it, and he's right here with us. He's walking and talking with us, filling us up with his presence. Help us to know those things as Jesus so well invited that we may come for the right reason and do the right thing. Help us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. In closing, I can turn to hymn number 107. Hymn number 107, standing as we sing, Jesus calls us. 107. Page 107. Oh, oh, oh.
close in a word of prayer. Lord, these are hard sayings. These are things that we know that you have called us to come and take you inside of us. Let you become a part of our being. We have to be willing in our hearts, willing for that righteousness to take us over, willing that you would come during our times of loneliness, during our times of happiness, during all the times. May we fill the void, not with cares and pleasures of this world, but with you, your being, your very person. Take you in totally inside of us so that we may be full and have full joy. And we may be full of the bread of life. We thank you, Lord, that you are the only satisfying thing in this world. And we pray that we would long for that, the bread of life, long for you in our lives. We are grateful for these things. We ask for protection and care as we go from this place. Bring us back to this place that we may long more for you during the week. May we may seek you during the week and come back wanting more of you. We thank you for all that you've given to us in your name. Amen.